It's Kilo, and we are back for another episode of the regular podcast on the regular network. It's real. And as you can see, we got a little bit different scenery going on right now because I'm about to try something new, man. I, I tried, I recorded the whole podcast yesterday and none of it recorded, okay? So this is a, none of the audio recorded. I had all the video, no audio. So I said, you know what? It's time to switch up the whole thing. We're gonna be recording straight into OSB and starting next week, I'm gonna be doing a podcast live so y'all can just watch it live. I would say Wednesday or Thursday evening. I gotta figure that out, but stay tuned for the announcements and I'll, I'll let you guys know. Uh, what time it'll be coming on and what day exactly. But let's get right into it though. Before we go any further, let's make sure we subscribe to the channel. You know, click that subscribe button down below. Make sure you hit the bell next to it to get the notifications and alerts every time we release a new video on the network. Again, we're trying to get these numbers up. We're trying to do big things. Uh, Y'all made the episode last week. Do some good, some good numbers. There's the best numbers that I did for a full episode since I've been releasing video episodes. So I appreciate y'all for that. Uh, let's just start it out by saying rest in peace to PNB Rock. You know, if y'all if y'all listen to podcasts as much as I do, you pretty much heard this situation discussed in depth and running to the ground. So I'm really not about to rehash all these topics that everybody's been talking about with this PNB Rock situation. Of course, y'all know it's very tragic. Please do not blame him, don't blame his girlfriend, don't blame whatever. Don't blame the victim in a situation like this. It is the shooter's fault and that's it. Whoever shot him and killed him and robbed him, that's who's at fault here. Okay, point blank period. Rest in peace to PNB Rock, man. He was a real good artist, very melodic. You know, they keep on calling him a, a rapper, but if you listen to his music, you never really heard him rap like that. I haven't. I mean, I hear him sing more than anything. A vast majority of his music is him singing. So, you know, it's very tragic. A lot of the people out in L.A. are saying, please be safe. And this does not only apply to rappers. If you are going to Los Angeles as a tourist, period, just be safe and be aware of your surroundings, man. They, you know, it's a lot going on out there. So, you know, just be aware of what's going on in your general vicinity. I did want to talk about something real quick about the last week's episode, right? And and I noticed something. It just hit me as I was driving home from the grocery store just today, right? Last week's episode was really amplified, I would say, by YouTube, right? And it feels to me like it was amplified like that because I'm a black person and I was going at some other black people, right? And I was going like hardcore. I spent like 30 minutes talking about these other black people that did something wrong, nasty, negative, right? But when I when I discuss other topics in the news and I title it pretty much the same way or I use similar thumbnails or anything like that, it doesn't get pushed and promoted the same way by, by YouTube. So I just want to say, man, don't fall for the okie doke. If the content is good, the content is good. Don't only pay attention to me or any other channel just because it's bashing some black people. And I noticed that a lot and I and I it made me realize why so many of the, you know, black leaders, you know, modern day 
YouTube leader, whatever you want to call them, why so many of them probably shot stray away from the original goal and they start to make their platform all about beefing with different black people that have a following, probably because that's the stuff that YouTube promotes the most. That's the stuff that they put in the algorithm the most and promote to as many people as possible because that's what YouTube wants us to look at. They want us to keep on looking at the stuff where it's us attacking us. But if we talk about the Uvalde shooter, then they demonetize our videos. Or if we talk about the Buffalo shooter, the guy who went into that grocery store and killed all those black people, specifically looking to kill black people, if we talk about that person, you get no views, right? But if you, if you go talk about another black person, you'll get all the views, way more views than you normally get, right? So I want to say be mindful of that because I'm not, that's not something I do on this platform. If you subscribe to me for that, you're not going to get that. That's not my thing, and it never will be my thing. Like I tell people all the time, if, if you see me start to go that way, way and I start to just beef with a bunch of black people that are trying to make progress in their own way, if you see me do that, that means I've been corrupted. Stop listening to me. Do not listen to me anymore. Stop playing my stuff, my videos. Unsubscribe to the channel. If I start doing that, I'm not right anymore. All right? So you get rid of, you get rid of me if I do that. And I, that, that's me saying that I'm going to stand firm on I don't play those type of games. I'm going to talk about everything fairly and as honestly to the best of my abilities. And with that being said, um, a couple weeks ago, I gave critique to something that Stacey Abrams said. And again, I don't, disres I don't disrespect people for no reason. I didn't disrespect her. I felt like she disrespected black men. So I spoke on it because she went and did an, a Yahoo News article. And actually, I was contacted by some, by some very high-ranking elected officials in Georgia, right, on a state level. I was contacted by them and uh, by one of them specifically, and she was worried. She said, oh, my God, what's going on? What can we do? I gave my input. I said, you can't have the top politician on the Democratic side blaming black men before the election even happens and just throwing an onus on us as if we had the numbers to sway any election in Georgia. Black people only being 30% of the population in the whole Georgia, black men making up less than half of that as far as the voter base goes. So you can't put an election on us, especially when the election hasn't even happened yet, especially for the group that's been giving you 80 plus percent of our vote. Anyway, turns out that now she has a, a, an agenda for black men specifically. Right. They, they slapped some stuff together. She's been going out here talking to rappers like this is my this is my thing. Right. I'm very glad that a video from the regular podcast, the regular network has been making people politically shift and make changes to what they've been doing and what they've been saying about black men. That's the goal. Again, I didn't disrespect Miss Stacey Abrams. All I said was how I felt about what she said. OK. And I'm not going to disrespect her, but I am going to show you guys this black men agenda because at least they're trying to do something. But I will say, I, I don't see this as being something that will help her out when it comes to this election. Okay. Um, this is, this is what's going on here, right? The black men's agenda. They call it the black men's agenda. They found some black men to smile in a nice picture with her. But when you read this thing, 
This is not a black man's agenda. This is a all lives matter for everybody agenda. And let's just put it under the black man's agenda. It's the same agenda she has for everybody else. And that's the sad thing about when it comes to being a black in this voter space and a black person that actually cares about politics. The more you go and read people's agendas for black people, you start to realize that they don't have any agenda. Most of them don't have any agenda for black people. They have an agenda that says, we're going to do all these social welfare pushes and we're going to do all this healthcare stuff and we'll do all this voter rights stuff and it will impact black people too, but it's really for everybody. So that's not a black agenda. That's a citizen's agenda. That's what they should say. It's a citizen's agenda. And supposedly since black people are a large part of the poor population, it's supposed to help us more, but nothing about any of these one one of these uh part part of what's going on is to look at this hold on let me show you right. put money back in your pockets tax rebates for everyone making less than 250,000 like and this is a part of the black men's agenda right <laughs> okay tax rebates for everyone making less than 250,000 not tax rebates for black men making less than 250,000 Everyone. Okay, let's just go. What does everyone mean? How many people in Georgia make less than 250000 Probably 95% of the people in Georgia make less than 250000 So that's not for us. That's an all lives matter thing. That's everybody. Create $5 million family farms initiative to aid small and micro farms with financing. That's a very simple one that could have just said, create a $5 million farm initiative to aid black farmers. You could have easily said this is specifically for black farmers. It wouldn't have hurt anybody or anything to say that. And when, when you look through, when you look through all of this stuff, again, like I said, none of it is specific to black men at all. It's not even specific to black people, not, not a single piece of it. And that's not even me. That's not even me nitpicking. It's not, a black agenda and it's not a black male agenda black man agenda at all it's just her putting together like just just taking pieces from all of the rest of her agenda and then making a nice new pdf for black men and um and calling it the black men's agenda and it's just it's just sad that they think that we are this cheap it's sad that they think we're this cheap and that we'll go for just pretty much anything and politics and just give them our vote. Of course, most black men are still about to vote for Stacey Abrams, of course. And I'm not knocking anybody for that because it's about loyalty. And with, with black people, they say we need to stick together. We do stick together when it comes to the vote. 90% um, of us voting the same way is crazy, but we do it, right? So for, for them to continuously come at us with rappers as the spokespeople that, like she just did a video with 21 savage as she's announcing this black men agenda and she gets 21 savage to awkwardly say vote for stacy abrams if you care about your future like really he he didn't even say it with confidence it's like he doesn't even like he don't even believe what he was saying and i don't believe what he's saying because what future is he talking about they're they're like the majority of what she's been pumping has been an agenda for a lot of the undocumented immigrants to come and be safe and feel safe and get resources in Georgia. And she's specifically calling out them specific by name. She's not saying 
uh, there's going to be new resources for education for everybody, and hopefully they get some, like she's doing with black people. It's specifically for education benefits regardless of your documentation status. Welfare regardless of your documentation status. That's, that's a very specific target right there. But hey, I, again, just like I said before, I can't tell her what to do. Um, you know, good luck to her in this election coming up. Again, she still will get the overwhelming majority of black male votes and especially black female, black women votes. You know, again, we can't tell anybody what to do and how to run their projects, okay? It's up to her to win. It's not on, it's not on us. But, so, you know, again, this is not a platform to bash anybody. So just like we have that so-so news, it's not negative, it's not positive. We have some amazing news for black people. And it's something that, or somebody wasn't afraid to make something specifically for black people. And this is a mortgage loan just for black borrowers offered by the nation's largest black-led mortgage company, right? And let me just read a little bit uh, to y'all about this because this is, this is really an amazing program. Now, you heard about Bank of America's program. It's a terrible program. It's not for black people. It's not for minorities. It is a marketing ploy to, to uh, make, gent make redlining sound fun. It's terrible, right? Now, here, here's a press release put out by Legacy Home Loans, right? Legacy Home Loans, the largest black-led mortgage broker uh, banking firm in the nation, headquartered in Las Vegas, Nevada, announced today that it has developed a special purpose credit program for black people who want to become homeowners. That's right. The loan program was developed by black mortgage professionals for black borrowers. Uh, this comes from a press release directly from Legacy Homes on PR Newswire. So this is their wording here, right? Uh, Legacy's, uh, Legacy's SPCP loan program will be piloted in six metropolitan cities, Atlanta, Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit, Memphis, and Philadelphia. The borrowers must reside in a census tract of the six cities that has 51% or more black population. However, there are no restrictions whatsoever to where the black home buyer can purchase their new home. Now, this is an amazing program. It's specifically for black people. It's specifically for black people in this area. And there's no restrictions on what they could buy. Now, there's a podcast on the Earn Your Leisure platform called Rants and Gems. It's a platform with, um, I mean, it's a podcast with Kiana Watson and MG, the mortgage guy, right? And they actually had this gentleman and his name is Ben Stanley. Ben Slayton, sorry. His name is Ben Slayton, and he's actually the first black realtor in American history, right? They had him on their podcast, and they pretty much posed the question of, is it legal to do a program like this, right? Is it legal in America to do a program that offers loans only to one race, right? And this brilliant gentleman said, yes, it's completely legal. This program has actually been around for a long time, but nobody has wanted, no, no banks were bold enough to fund these loans or no, nobody was bold enough to use these loans or sell these loans. And he said they finally got the word that uh, loan, you know, loan issuers will work with these loans. So he said, okay, cool. Now it's time to get to work. 
So what they want to do is they the goal is to fund one billion dollars to black home buyers by the end of 2023 and fund. Oh, excuse me. By the end of 2023 and to fund $1 billion and more to black home buyers every year thereafter. That, that, that's amazing. Let me give you some of the requirements for this program here, right? It's called the Closing the Gap Loan, and it's only 1% down payment with free appraisal, free home warranty program, free, free pre-purchase home buying counseling, free post-closing home buying counseling, and financial assistance with... Uh, with closing costs. Uh, this is really, really, really an amazing thing. Also, they have a minimum credit score of 620. So that's that's very good. And what they'll actually do is the program uses credit guidelines based on factors such as timely rent payment, utility bill, phone, and auto insurance payments. So all the things that, that pretty much black people have been saying for years, why do these things not count? towards my credit why don't these things make my credit better this company is saying we'll actually fact we'll use those as the main factors and how we'll decide who's eligible and who's not eligible this is an, an amazing program on paper from what i see this is an, an amazing program i don't see any downsides to it i haven't seen any negative about it one thing i do wish is that more of the top level media companies out media companies that promote things to black people because they never have any problem promoting fights to us. They don't have any problem promoting shootings and beefs and all this other type of stuff to us and claim they're about the culture. So why is this news not everywhere? Although it's only in six cities, these are some of the largest cities with black populations, right? Or some of the largest black populations in America in those cities. So why, why is this not being plastered on all of the blogs and all of the radio stations and everywhere else? It's a little bit strange, but whatever. Us, the little guys, we'll do our job and, and making sure you guys have this information. Um, I would say go to myhomelegacy.com and see if you qualify, see if you can get a loan because having 1% down, this is less than the FHA standard of 3.5%. The good thing about that is, you know, that's a, a down payment. Having down payment money is a big barrier for black people when it comes to home ownership. Because a lot of us meet all the other requirements. It's just that the down payment part of it is the hard part to come up with. And that's why a lot of people have to go with these predatory home buying programs like Divi, who then come and tax you on the back end when you want to go and buy your house. Or when you say, okay, you know what, I don't want to get this house, can I have my money back? Then they take half of the money that you've been putting into the program. They take half of it and tell you to get the hell on with only half your money back. So this program, man... I think on paper it's a lot better than than any of these other programs. I say I say if you can take advantage of it, please. If you have a higher credit score and you have more money, don't take this program. Don't don't take advantage of this program because you'll be pulling it away from people who actually need it. I would say let this go to the people who are in a position where they only have one percent to put down. Let them have it. All right, you know don't 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 get in the way of that man. That's that wouldn't be right for you to do that, man. That wouldn't be right. Now, if if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna segue into something that's not that, that 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 a little bit. It irks me a little bit, right? And it's being talked about. It's definitely being talked about. Shannon Sharp went on a nice little rant 
earlier today about Brett Favre, but he made it mostly about Brett Favre and his status as an as an NFL player and how the larger NFL community views Brett Favre and treats Brett Favre with still so much reverence, right? They don't treat him like the criminal he is for all the trouble that he's gotten in off the off the field, right? And Shannon Sharp had good points, but what he what what because he's a sports commentator, so he doesn't care as much about the political side of it. That's why I, I care more about. And um, and what's going on here is a, is actually a nasty, nasty fraud case here, right? Nasty fraud case is, is going on here in Mississippi. Let me read the headline on Mississippi Today, who they actually, with Ann Wolf, they actually broke the story and put the text messages from Brett Favre out. Uh, Former, go former Governor Phil Bryant helped Brett Favre secure welfare funding for USM, that's University of Southern Mississippi, Volleyball Stadium, text revealed, right? Um, so what happened is, and this is a picture of the former governor after he threw some other guy under the bus for fraud a couple years ago, and, and he's pretty much claiming that he had nothing. To this, so this has been going on for a few years now, right? 2020, some people got caught up in this fraud scheme, and the governor was able to squeak his way out by saying, I didn't have anything to do with it. But back then, you know, a lady named Nancy New was actually arrested, right? And she was the department head. Oh, I'm sorry. She was the, let me, let me find what her exact job was. Um, she was one of the head people at the Department of Human Services in the state, right? So essentially, let me break down this whole scheme for you that they were running. So what was going on in Mississippi is that they had money in their TANF welfare program, right? And uh, what they did was say, hey, we have this money over here. We're not giving it to the actual citizens. We are going to start funneling some of this money out of the TANF program and into our private businesses and into our friends' pockets, right? So that's what happened. Nancy New was actually arrested in 2020, and she was actually convicted of 13 felony charges, right? And as part of her plea deal or whatever, she decided that she would actually cooperate with the state against pretty much everybody else. Like, out, she's, she's an informant. She's a snitch now. Now, my main, <clears throat> excuse me, my main issue here is there's about, there's a lot of people involved with this scheme, right? I think six people were arrested back in 2020 as part of this whole thing. And then a few people are now in question, including Brett Favre and Phil Bryant. Those are new people that are, that are in question now, right? My problem with the way this whole thing has been set up is, first of all, if these people were black, because they're at the top of Mississippi, they're not black. If these people were black, there would have been an effort to swiftly punish them, first of all, and give them the worst charges possible so that they can get the maximum time because it would have been it would have been framed and would have been blasted everywhere that these black people, black politicians, elected officials, and appointed officials are stealing from poor people, literally, right? But the way this is being set up, this is being set up as not some organized crime ring. It's like an individual effort. Even though they're arresting multiple people at a time, they are not calling them an organized crime syndicate. It's like 
they're treating each one of them as individual criminals who just played a part and did their own fraudulent thing within this whole scheme. I don't like that. This is a RICO case, a federal RICO case, if I've ever seen one. And I don't understand why it's not, because the money that they were taking and funneling to Brett Favre specifically comes from the TANF program, right? And, and the TANF is federally funded. Since it's federally funded and since they misappropriated, not misappropriated, they straight up came up with a plot and a scheme to steal that money and use it for purposes other than what it was meant for. That should be a federal crime that the federal government should be investigating and charging them for and indicting them and charging them for. This should be a RICO. And there's multiple people that, that worked with them to come up with this plot. So what happened was, first of all, this is a, let me just read this. Nonprofit leaders had misspent at least $77 million in funds that were supposed to help the needy, right? So I know a lot of people have been hearing this $5 million number. Uh, because five million went to Brett Favre specifically, specifically, but this was a seventy-seven million dollar fraud scheme, so it was massive, right? So how how you get this much going on? You have this many moving parts, you have this much organization, and it's not a racketeering case, right? And these are federal funds, so this should be a federal case. So let me just tell you about the part where Brett Favre was involved. So in in twenty seventeen. I guess Brett Favre approaches the school, University of Southern Mississippi, and says, hey, I think you guys should build a new stadium, new volleyball arena, new volleyball stadium, right? They're like, hey, that would be nice, but we don't have the money for it. So Brett Favre is like, okay, well, how about y'all put me in charge of raising the money? And you put me in charge of raising the money, I'll figure that part out. And then once I get the money, will y'all build it? They was like, okay, cool. So what he did was... <clears throat> He hit up his buddies at the top of Mississippi's political structure. He hit them up and said, hey, is there any way you guys can help me fund this volleyball arena that I'm trying to build at my daughter's school? Yes, his daughter went to the school. That's why he had a, an interest, a vested interest in getting them new facilities. He said, okay, do you guys have any way you can get me some funding? <clears throat> These people took it upon themselves, his friends took it upon themselves to say, you know what? We will find a way to circumvent the laws and regulations of the federal government <clears throat> to make it look like on paper that we are legally giving this school money or giving this money to Brett Favre for his cause. Right? <clears throat> so what happened was, this is what, what the scheme that they came up with. They were going to use TANF money for a program that supposedly has a, a volleyball a gym or arena that is used for families in Mississippi, right? So what they did was the school leased out their property to Nant, to a athletic foundation for $1, right? And then that athletic foundation then leased the facility to the state of Mississippi for $4 million, right? So this was just some type of like shelter scheme, like a work through. So it was $1 to this foundation, then it was $4 million to the state. So then the state was paying this foundation $4 million for the lease, but really that money was being used then for construction. The federal government specifically has a rule that says TANF money cannot be used on brick-and-mortar construction, right? 
That's the reason that they had to use that middleman company, the foundation for a lease, right? So these people specifically came up with this scheme to get around federal regulations so that they could get this plate, this money to Brett Favre so he can get this building built at the school. So when he, okay, so they got the $4 million sent over, right? Then what happened was the school said, hey, this is good, but this is about a $5 million job. So we, we won't start, we won't sign off on any of it until we have all of the money in our bank account, right? So Brett Favre says, okay, we got to come up with a new, we got to come up with a new way to get another million dollars. So then Brett Favre sits back on his own and comes up with this idea. Hey, governor, or he, he hit up Nancy New and said, hey, what, what if you guys pay me a million dollars to advertise this new volleyball arena that we're leasing to the state? What if y'all pay me to advertise it, right? They said, hmm, that's a good idea. They all agreed. This is an amazing idea. We just pay Brett Favre for advertising, and then he'll just funnel that money back to the school. So what they did was they cut him a check for $500,000, then they cut him another check for $610,000. So that's if you've been hearing about this $1.1 million that Brett Favre paid back or whatever, that's what that was from. That was from them paying him for advertisement when really that money went to the building of that school. So again, when I say these people are co-conspirators and when I say these people came up with an elaborate scheme to defraud the government and to defraud the taxpayers of Mississippi, that's what they really did. And it's, they, they came up with this and they actually executed. They, they went through with it and they got it done. Millions of dollars funneled to this school for them to build this, this thing. Now, I feel like how in the world is it possible that, that Brett Favre could, see, could be seen as anything other than somebody who knowingly defrauded the government? He knew that he was contacting some people. He even asked in, in a text message, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? So he knew something was wrong because he knew that he wanted to keep this thing private. And these are the text messages, the bombshell text messages that just came out, right? So he knew that he was circumventing some type of ruling, some type of regulations. So why is he not being treated the same way as any other fraud criminal? You know, a lot of people are like, oh, they don't want you to bring up race, but how could you bring up anything other than race in a situation like this? It doesn't make sense. This lady, Nancy... Uh, let me let me let me let me see here, right? This lady Nancy knew is actually a resident of Jackson, Mississippi. So while they were stealing seventy-seven, almost eighty million dollars to just give to themselves and, and, and pocket the money, Jackson, Mississippi had been having infrastructure issues that they could have fixed have been having infrastructure issues that at least could have been held off for now with a few million dollars. They could have got new pumps a while ago. They could have tried to get some of that, some of the lead out of that water a while ago. They could have cleaned up some of that sewage that spilled in that water last year a while ago. But instead, they decided, nope, that money would be better spent outside of Jackson. That money, that money would be better spent actually by Brett Favre and his daughter's school. Right. And, and, and 
that's what they decided to do with that money. So, you know what? Y'all make sure that y'all pound the drum as loud as you can. Every time you see, every time you see something referencing this story, like a link or anything like that, man, share it, amplify it, because these people are stealing millions of dollars and getting a slap on the wrist for it. How do you get so this lady being convicted of 13 felonies and stealing millions and millions of dollars from taxpayers and the federal government? She's not even being charged properly, and now she just gets to snitch on a couple other people that did far less than her. Even though Phil Bryant was a part of this scheme and Brett Favre was part of the scheme, Nancy knew was the one stealing the most money. So why is she able to snitch on people to get out of trouble when she did the most frauding? It's crazy. Make sure y'all amplify this, man, because the people of Jackson... Need, need as much um, help as they can. And if you could, if they could take money to, they could take money to do stuff like that, they definitely could take some of that money and fix some, some water pumps, okay? They definitely could take some money and, and fix some of the water pumps, man. I only have um, like one topic left and I just think this is just super interesting, right? So, a... Henley and Partners report just came out. The Henley Global Citizens Report, Q, uh, 2022 Q3, right? And they put out the world's wealthiest cities, right? The top 20 cities with the most millionaires in the cities. And that's just an amazing list to me because wait till y'all see how many millionaires are in these cities, right? So... America actually has six cities in the top 20, and five of those cities are in the top 10 for the most millionaires in the city. Let's look at it. New York City being the number one city in the world for millionaire count. Let's check it out. They have 345,000 millionaires and 59 billionaires. As you can see, they, they, they run through a couple different... Um, Milestones, so multimillionaires, people that have a net worth over 10 million, there's 15,000 in New York City. People with a net worth over 100 million, 737. And the people with the, the billionaires, 59 billionaires. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of rich people, man. A lot of rich people. You have San Francisco coming up with 276, 276,000 millionaires. You know, and 62 billionaires, and that that includes Silicon Valley. So it's not it's like the San Francisco Bay Area. So it's not just San Fran. You know, you have Los Angeles and Malibu area with 192,000 millionaires. You know, it's just some just some amazing stuff. I would, if I were y'all, I would check this out because it's very interesting how they how they just compile a list like this. I thought it was interesting that Houston and Dallas were on this list in the top 20 because Dallas and Houston are only around, they're about 250 miles away from each other. So those are the closest two cities on this list. So I would I would have put those together and just added them all up, but they are separate, separate areas. But that's a lot of rich people in, in that small of a space in Texas. It doesn't actually tell us what most of them made their money in, but what I would assume is because New York having so many of them, 
the vast majority of this will be home value. So not actually people who have a million dollars in a bank or actually people who make that much money in a year. You know, most people's net worth is mostly in their home, in the value of their home, right? So, you know, a lot of those New Yorkers, they've seen their values, the home values rise tremendously in the last 15 to 20 years. So you bought a house that was like 300000 15 years ago, and it's paid off now or close to paid off or halfway paid off. And it's probably worth 1.5 now, you would have made, you know, you and your property would have gotten you on this list. And that goes for the Bay Area as well, Los Angeles, Chicago. You know, Houston, I wouldn't say as much like those other cities, but definitely those top four, the houses, you know, will put them in there easily. And uh, they also have a couple other lists on here. So they have this thing called Top Five by Region. And what that is, they have the, the, so the richest cities in each one of these region, regions. So Africa is a region. The Americas is a region. Asia Pacific is a, Asian Pacific is a region. Europe is a region and the Middle East, right? So if you wanted to see the top five richest cities in Africa, right? Johannesburg, Cairo, Cape Town, Lagos, and Nairobi. And you can see, so no African cities were in the top 20 of the entire list, but these, this is how many rich people or high net worth individuals they have in Johannesburg, right? 15,000 millionaires. In Cairo, they have 7,800 millionaires. In Cape Town, they have 6,800 millionaires. In Lagos, they have 6,300 millionaires. Nairobi, 5,000. So, you know, it's just, it's just interesting to see how this stacks up, right? You know, Tokyo is Tokyo. They lit over in Tokyo, three hundred four thousand millionaires and twelve billionaires. You know, that's a lot. Singapore, two hundred forty nine thousand millionaires, twenty six billionaires. Beijing, you know, Shanghai, Sydney, the Middle East. Dubai, you know, it's a, that's a rich, very rich city. The Middle East is stacked up, you know. So, man, y'all, y'all, y'all check that out, man. I'm actually done. I don't have anything else, you know. This is y'all work with me because this is a new setup right here. So, I'll figure out how to do what I need to do when it comes to production value and everything like that. I'll get the the audio up and better. Trust me. I'll, I'll make sure the lighting is right. I'll make sure my posture is better because the microphone is kind of far away. So, well, the arm is, you can't see, but the arm is stretched out pretty far. So that's all I got for y'all, man. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you get with me on Reddit, the regular topics. Let's discuss everything you want to discuss. Uh, get with me on Instagram, the regular network on Instagram. Go to the website if you want to see other shows or if you want to get some merch theregularnetwork.com subscribe here subscribe here subscribe here click the link in the description if you feel like it okay peace out man